Jedi Council is a podcast for entertainment and informational purposes only. It should not be used in place of advice from a mental health or medical professional. If you're struggling with mental health issues, please seek professional help. Hey folks, welcome back to the next episode of the Jedi Council podcast where we like to explore mental health and your favorite fictional characters. This is Brandon Saxton. And Katie Gordon. Katie, how are you doing on this excellent Friday afternoon? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you doing? Not too bad. I feel a little sleepy. Mm-hmm. I think it's the the beginning of the semester sleepies I have a, <laughs> a bad case of. And uh, and I already told you this story, but I'm just going to say it a little bit because I'm feeling it a little bit myself now. Is We had a research meeting this morning with my lab, and one of our RAs who was very dedicated came in even though she was worried that she was susceptible or maybe exposed to the flu i'm starting to feel my own paranoia about the flu Uh-oh. now so i'm sure i'm maybe okay i should sit yeah. back then <laughs> we should not be talking into just one microphone but public service announcement if you have the flu don't tough it out by going out and exposing other people to it please yeah that's what we asked and it was her first lab meeting and she said oh i just didn't want to miss it and i said yeah. i love that enthusiasm i like that you're bringing that to the table but I hate the flu, and yeah. uh, and it's totally okay just to email us and say, I've got the flu, and uh, that's just a good approach to life in general, I think. I think so. Not just lab meetings, but all meetings. Yes. <laughs> so today we are going to talk a little bit, or maybe a lot, about Rick and Morty. Uh, Katie, you're new to the Rick and Morty uh, mm-hmm. lifestyle. Yeah, I hadn't watched it. I mean, I, I kind of always had it on my list of things mm-hmm. to watch because I know how much you liked it. But uh, re- recently, just it seemed like there had been an uptick in people tweeting at us and um, Facebook messaging or otherwise contacting us and letting us know that they would be interested in a Rick and Morty episode or two from Jedi Council. And so I definitely seemed like, you know, since there were so many suggestions and it sounded like the content was really interesting, I committed to rapidly watching seasons one and two i didn't quite get all the way through them but i watched most of them and then importantly i kind of focused on the episodes in season three that people were particularly interested in involving therapy session and other obvious psychological connections any overall impressions of the show so far yeah i i like it i mean it's definitely quirky and funny and then it seems to have some serious things in there too which we'll talk about and so, you know, I I thought it was interesting that they kind of based it off apparently a little bit of Doc Brown and mm-hmm. Marty from Back to the Future, although it's like obviously way more twisted, but I like Back to the Future. So even that context, it was kind of fun to watch them. I mean, Morty is pretty close to Marty, actually. Yeah. Obviously. And so... So, so yeah, I enjoyed. I'll probably go back and watch some of the ones that I, since I was watching so quickly, I was often doing other things and couldn't fully engage. But I did fully pay attention to season three because that's what people seem to want to us to talk about the most. And even I watched the therapy episode a couple times just to make sure that I didn't miss anything. So I'm looking forward to also kind of going back and, and catching the things that I missed the first time. What about you? Are you glad to be finally talking about Rick and Morty? Yeah, absolutely. I am. I really enjoy the show. I was introduced to it back in season one time. Uh, I think right at the end of when season one was completed, a friend of mine told me about it and said, uh, you've got to watch the show Rick and Morty. And uh, I kind of have a 
some of the like animated adult cartoons I think are okay, but they're kind of hit or miss for me. And just uh, when I first saw Rick and Morty, I was like, I'm, "This is not really going to be for me. I'm not. I'm not going to like this." So I didn't watch it. And what this friend did is just, just played it when I was mm-hmm. at their house and just said, "No, we're going to just watch this. You're going to like it." And uh, they were right. I did like it. So I watched season one, and then I kept up with season two as that one's on. And I have been mostly keeping up. I think I've seen every episode of season three now, but I might have missed one. Um, now that Adult Swim has sort of switched around their streaming policy mm-hmm. a little bit. But I think I'm all caught up, if not mostly caught up on season three. So, And I've watched the first two seasons uh, uh, three or four times each, probably. Okay, so. good. Because there will be some gaps in my knowledge in terms of all of the specific nuances and specific behaviors related to each of the characters. So I'm hoping you can fill in some of those. Yeah, I can do my best. I, I'm sure there's probably a lot of stuff, too, because like you kind of point out, this is a show that has a lot of little details, and uh, it is really easy to miss some of that stuff. So I'm sure I'm, I'm definitely not a Rick and Morty expert by any means, but I have seen it a few times, so I'm willing to, to kind of provide my background knowledge to this. Uh, uh, in, in, not an investigation discussion that's what we're having we're not investigating the show <laughs> no i don't i don't plan <laughs> to do that we did have a also some very useful questions mm-hmm. and commentary very thoughtful from people on twitter that helped me to make sure to pay attention to very specific parts especially of season three and so thank you all who did that i really appreciate that yeah we had a few comments on facebook too which were nice and someone just just uh, put Pickle Rick in all caps and then said that <laughs> something along those lines, which is kind of all the guidance we needed and actually was uh, a, a big motivation for today's episode, which I think is going to be focusing primarily on the Pickle Rick episode. Yes, exactly. Which has just, you almost can't be on the internet without seeing some reference to that episode. It just seems to be wildly popular. People are very into Pickle Rick. And there's even a new Pickle Rick Pop Funko I saw already, which is just really quickly uh, made its way out. Yeah, definitely. And I was actually, even though it's animated, I was a little squeamish at some of the parts uh, and and (laughs) Pickle Rick coming together into his full body. It's... I think I was just busted out laughing the first time that that happened because of the, like, machinations that were put together in, like, the the couple minutes that we weren't watching Pickle Rick. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden he's built this, like, miniature factory to put together his new uh, exoskeleton built of animal parts uh it was something else yes <laughs> just put it that <laughs> it way it makes for an unusual pop funko the show is remarkably graphic <laughs> just in several ways so it oh is. including language which oh, is yeah. something we should probably mention really quickly uh we're, we're going to be saying a couple of direct quotes right out of the show i think and uh we've uh we, we typically have I don't know if we've ever really sworn on this show before, but we're just going to read the quotes right as is because it sounds a little weird to say. Yeah, a little here and there, but I think that you, we don't have the explicit rating because we usually don't. And yes. I had one friend specifically comment that she enjoyed that she could play it around her kids without worrying, but in this case, maybe don't play it around your kids if they're paying attention because we are going to quote the show, which yeah. has profanity in it, which is totally fine. Yeah, absolutely. But we just want but to put heads that. up. Yes, put if that you're at work or something. I mean, it's kind of weird to listen to at work anyway, unless you're around a bunch of Rick and Morty fans. Which, if you are, that would be a cool workplace. That'd be so. a really cool job. If yeah. maybe you're working at Rick and Morty. Yeah, the, like, <laughs> they uh, don't mind. No, they don't. Uh, so yes, today I think we've. I don't know if we mentioned this yet, but this is going to end up being one of our 
infamous or or classic. I don't know whether they're good or bad. Usually we just get away from ourselves. Two or three part episodes for sure. Uh, today we're going to focus primarily on the Pickle Rick episode uh, for a few reasons. One, it's uh, incredibly popular just in general and popular just in that it, that uh, episode specifically was recommended to us by multiple people. Two, uh, it depicts a, a, a therapy, which is something that we like to talk about a lot on this show. And three, it also talks and kind of uh, sums up some of Rick's mental health sort of issues. So it kind of captures a lot of the intersections of the show. So we're going to start with that, and then maybe we'll branch out uh, after this episode into other specific episodes or maybe just characters more broadly. We don't have a plan for the other episodes quite yet. But for today, we'll start with Pickle Rick. Mm-hmm. So maybe to start off with a fun fact that I already told you, but I think we should also tell our listeners in case they don't know, as you know, from a previous show, we talked about Frasier and how much I like Frasier. And Brendan has started watching mm-hmm. Frasier, seems to enjoy it so far. So there Absolutely. may be a future Frasier episode. There's plenty of psychological, uh, mental health stuff to talk about on that show. I would like that a lot. Yeah, I, I have already gotten through season four since our last podcast episode, probably. The so. first episode in season four is one of my favorites when they're pretending because um, Daphne's former fiance comes yes. back that's one of the the funniest episodes that i think that they have i love that i know we're getting onto a mm-hmm. sidetrack but i don't even mind i love that uh, the two mrs cranes it's called yeah. if you're a fraser fan yeah that's pretty impressive you've got the fraser knowledge i like that their father isn't just claims to be an astronaut mm-hmm. when his story was perfectly acceptable the way it was <laughs> it's just so funny and yeah. then that turns out to be the only person that he likes <laughs> poor clive yeah yeah, it's 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 a fantastic episode. But anyway, um, so Kelsey Grammer plays Fraser, and fun fact: Spencer Grammer plays Summer on Rick and Morty, and she is Kelsey's daughter. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's a I like any show that has a direct link to Fraser, even though I'm a new Fraser fan. Is yeah. there a special name for Fraser fans? Kind of like I'm sure there is. I just don't know what it is. Other than the 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 Kevin Smith. And a uh, podcast series, which is, um, there actually, there's a really fun podcast series called Frasier Files, but it's P-H-I-L-E-S. And so people who love Frasier could be Frasier Files, but it's also fun because oh, okay. it sounds like it's a file of Frasier stuff. I haven't actually listened to that yet, but okay. that's the only thing that I've heard. I did subscribe to Kevin Smith's uh, Frasier podcast now, too, so. Are they updating it? I don't, it didn't look like yeah, it's been done Yeah, I don't think they've gotten time. very far, which under, is understandable. Yeah. They both do a bunch of podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. But, but I, I do want to listen to the ones that they have. Yeah. Talk Salad or, and yep. Scrambled Eggs. I yes, yep, that's exactly so, what it's called. Anyway, it's super fun. They get off topic a lot, like we are now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, back, we've, we've made you wait long enough for Pickle yes. Rick, so we're going to talk about it, but that is a fun fact that you do so, get some of that comedic genius that is classic of the grammar family through summer um so maybe just setting the stage for the episode basically they have to go to family therapy it's explained because the mom beth um says that the the school has ordered therapy because summer was puffing pottery glaze to get high i assume and morty wet his desk at school and so the school ordered it that they had to go but Rick was supposed to go with them, and how did he avoid that? Well, yeah, right as Morty is getting ready, I'm sorry, I'm going to be chuckling a lot while I try to tell the story, but because it's just so outrageous. It is. Right as Morty's getting ready to go, he hears uh, uh, his uncle, or Grandpa Rick say, Morty, Morty, come here. 
So he goes out into the garage. He doesn't see Ricky, but he sees a pickle on the workbench. And the pickle rolls over, and it is Rick. He, Rick has turned himself into a pickle just because he can. Yes. That's the reason that, he gets. That's right. He likes to prove that he can kind of do what he wants, where he wants, whenever he wants. Right? That's his thing. Right. And he to hear Rick tell it, he didn't do it to avoid the therapy session. He just did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think the therapist was... a. <laughs> Was suspicious that it might have been not wanting to go to therapy session, which is later confirmed through some of his behavior. Yes. So, um, and then what happens basically is he has his anti-pickle serum, yeah. right? But it's really what turns him back into human. But mm-hmm. Beth takes it in the purse. And so yes. she kind of, she doesn't really push him that much to go to therapy. No. She's like, look, you know, you can go or not go, whatever. She kind of isn't engaging in that. And I get the sense that, she and some of the other family members are, even though she greatly seems to admire him and his intellect, that they're a little kind of like sick of his antics. Mm-hmm. He seems a little more impressed by himself than mm-hmm. they are during that particular scene. Yes. So so anyway, so they present to family therapy and right away, so they're going in not really voluntarily and it's because the kids are getting into trouble. Mm-hmm. It's kind of and, a weird thing that they were referred for therapy for that, but maybe um, if they have an overall pattern, which Morty does, he misses a lot of school, so. Yeah, we, he does. Mm-hmm. Like, I even, I think it's in the most recent episode, Morty has a quote that's like, Rick, you told me I could go to school today. Yes, exactly. Implying that maybe he misses more school than he attends. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, am I remembering it wrong, too, that they specifically kind of thought that maybe these behaviors were in response to uh, Beth and Jerry having a divorce too. Was That's kind of what, what I they were thought, thinking about but I, yeah. I didn't see the ones uh, prior to that, but it did seem okay. like they were kind of linking it yes. to. I mean, the family's obviously been through a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. The whole family is very chaotic from Rick's stuff alone. Absolutely, so it's yeah. kind of like, and then the divorce on top of that obviously is something that affects family members. So it did seem like that. And one of the first things that I noticed that happened is when they walk in, the teacher from their school Mm -hmm. that they all know comes out from having seen the therapist. And that certainly can happen. But what I've seen more common in practice is that if the therapist knows there's some chance that clients are going to know each other, they're a little bit more mindful about letting them out the back door or figuring out a way so that people who know each other don't run into each other. And you can't always do that, but it's the idea is to protect confidentiality and since they know, since the therapist, Dr. Wong, knew that their family was, the school was having them there, and she's seeing a teacher from the school, she could have asked, you know, uh, if he wanted to leave a little bit earlier or go out a different way. So anyway, that's a minor point, but that's something that I've definitely seen therapists do in practice. If anyone out there is concerned about, you know, wanting to protect your privacy mm-hmm. with potentially running into other people in the waiting room. Yeah, that was a good point. So should we kind of just talk about when the therapy session begins? Sure, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, so in the the episode is, I don't know what's really the best road to do it, but it kind of alternates between scenes from the therapy session and then Rick, who, Mm -hmm. uh, having turned himself into a pickle to avoid it, uh, a cat comes along, uh, kind of in reference to Mm -hmm. videos that have been popping up with cats. Uh, it's kind of this idea that cats think that cucumbers are snakes. Yeah, that's what he so said, so he's not afraid. Away. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but then uh, he gets batted down and then through uh, uh, a series of unfortunate events floats down and drops into the sewer. And yeah. so the episode alternates between therapy scenes and Rick going on a pretty outlandish adventure yeah. as a pickle. Yeah, just... and really putting together a body so that he's a mobile pickle, which yes. is really... Yeah. 
through like i said that stuff made me i was a little <laughs> squeamish in those parts even though it's just cartoon yeah. stuff i was kind of like ah oh, that's gross he's like ripping that bug apart or whatever yeah he starts with a bug and uh it, and then moves on to like rats and is like building exoskeletons out of their yeah bones. it was and... even i mean as cute as the pop funko of it is <laughs> i was like uh i don't know that's kind of gross but um, again, that might be me. I am a little squeamish, so I was like, I, I was like, let's get back to the therapy parts, please. Yeah, and, and that might have more relevance to the sort of mental health. I, I don't know how much we really have to say about the adventure of Rick. No, it's worth really. watching. I don't think oh, describing it quite gives absolutely. you the visual of the absurdity of it all. Especially at one point, because he like sort of builds like it's it's almost reminiscent of like. Darth Vader, where he sort of yeah. has like a machine, like lowering things up. Yes. He's built like a mini factory. <laughs> yeah, it's strange. it's pretty it's pretty remarkable. <laughs> it's yeah. the whole process, and not to mention the creativity to write a story like that. It's just yeah, quite no, it's else. it's definitely brilliant. So Dan Harmon is the mm-hmm. and. Doesn't someone work with him on it? Uh, Justin Roiland, okay. I think. Which did they yeah, both work right. on Community? I, I don't know. I know Dan Harmon did, yes. but I'm not sure. If there's one community did. reference in Rick and Morty, too. Oh, there is? Yeah, I, there's a I, TV screen oh. at once when it just shows the people. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. That's cool. I really like that show. That yeah, it's fun. good, too. Uh, so anyway, just kind of to sum it up, or suffice it to say, we'll probably talk a little less about the Pickle Rick adventure and a little more about the therapy side, but it's worth seeing both sides of the episode. Exactly. And so the Dr. Wong kind of says... Starting off, even though the presenting concern supposedly is about the basically getting high off of glaze in art class and urinating during history class or something like yes. that, Dr. Wong starts off, does Grandpa turn himself into a pickle a lot? And so that's not a typical therapist question. <laughs> oh, jeez. But... But I have to say, it would be... So, like, usually there's a standard way you start off. Like, these are the limits of confidentiality. If you're at risk of hurting yourself or others, and I... Whatever. Or introducing yourself. Hi, I'm Katie, and I... This is my background. She kind of... And then sets an agenda, right? right. So the therapist could rigidly say, no, we're going to stick to this thing about you inhaling paint or whatever it is. But it would be absurd speaking of absurdity (laughs) to ignore the fact that grandpa turns into a pickle and so i'm with the therapist here i think that really has to kind of it makes sense to redirect it and not talk about the surface level problems which i am guessing that's what the therapist is thinking is that maybe some of the other stuff is symptomatic of the bigger problem which is they all live with this guy who turns himself into a pickle recently maybe we should explore that and so the mom so beth responds what kind of question is that and dr wong says not the kind that's trying to hurt you in any way or something Mm -hmm. to that effect and so it's interesting because it's a recognition of some of the defensiveness i mean beth isn't there just because she totally wanted to be there it sounds like she had to be there but the therapist isn't taking any time to kind of reduce defensiveness or ease into it. She just goes directly to the issue, which is a style of some therapists. Uh My guess on pure speculation is that a lot of therapists, if someone's involuntarily there, kind of depending on the timeline that you have, I mean, it's not completely involuntary, but she's Mm -hmm. not there because she wanted to be there. They sometimes start off with some rapport building stuff. They don't jump right into like a, a question that obviously... Beth is feeling defensive about right. so I get where the therapist is going with that, but it 
it was pretty direct, and I don't think that's always as common just to get right into the issue. Although the kids did seem to like that it was getting right into that issue. Yeah, they seem a lot less, uh, I don't know if this is exactly the right word, but Beth is a little more defensive about Rick. And I wonder if mm-hmm. some of that stems from, uh, and I'm diving into some stuff before the show, but Rick leaves Beth's life for a long time. And the beginning of the show is kind of when he comes back. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if some of that is because she she wants to kind of protect him and doesn't want to be overly critical of him again and doesn't really want to push him away again. Yeah, she does know. seem to ha- be really motivated to kind of almost be in denial of some of the negative effects that, mm-hmm. or the extent. I mean, she recognizes some of it, but the extent of it, because yeah. some people would just say, you got to get out of my family is yeah. my priority and you are taking my kid out of school you are behaving erratically and doing all this stuff, but she seems pretty invested in not doing that to the point where it interferes with her family mm-hmm. and her marriage. Um, she says straight out that her, her dad is a genius and he's eccentric, and um, and the therapist noticed you, you clearly admire him mm-hmm. and his intellect quite a bit. And so it's, you know, what you're seeing here is a strong motivation of kind of defending a parent. Mm-hmm. And... Launching right into that is an interesting way to go. I mean, it gives the therapist a lot of information about about the family dynamics, I think. And to speak more to that family dynamic, you don't see as, that from Morty and Summer as much. Mm-hmm. There's clearly throughout the series, they, they clearly love Rick and like have a relationship with him that varies in terms of pleasantness. But I think they're much more acutely aware of like the overall negative impact that a lot of Rick's behaviors has had on many, many people Uh in many universes. Yeah, I think that's true. And you can definitely see, kind of in season one, Morty goes along with a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And he still goes along with it, but he seems more bitter and resentful in the newer episodes of, at just how mean Rick is and kind of cruel to him. Later when they do the Vindicators episode, mm-hmm. I mean, it's Morty seems particularly hurt because Rick is kind of nicer to that one, like, sidekick superhero kid who has no relation to than he is to his own grandson and so he seems like he starts to lose a little bit of his patience with it or at least they both seem interested in maybe exploring that Mm -hmm. you know into the reality of it um so you know then dr wong says i have to point this out since we're scientists let's you all like science and i guess she's trying to to build on the rapport mm-hmm. there and says, let's do an experiment. And then what she does is not an experiment, which no. I know is nitpicky, but she says, basically, let's take a poll about what was in the syringe and mm-hmm. ask them. And so that is a survey. That is not an experiment. <laughs> and I just wanted to point that out. And in an experiment, you actually have to manipulate something. So you have to have, for example, like in an, an experiment would be something like if she had Summer and Morty in two separate situations and one of them has one condition and the other has one so maybe um they are in separate situations and she says to morty something like tell me about rick and then in to summer she says tell me what bothers you most and she sees the experiment is specifically naming rick does that bring up more anger about rick Mm -hmm. versus indirectly asking the question or something like that. Mm -hmm. I'm just completely making this up. But that involves manipulation and comparison, whereas just asking a survey about stuff, that's not an experiment. It's not manipulating thing. And in psychology, when you have things that it's not ethical to manipulate, for example, if you're studying depression, 
you can't make people depressed mm -hmm. and make another group not depressed and study them. So that so often what you'll do are naturalistic studies where you're asking people questions about depression and risk factors, or you're doing like a study over time where you measure some depression at year one and depression at year two, but you're not changing things. It's not an experiment. It's a study. Um, whereas the experiment would be more like it is ethical to reduce depression if you have a group of people and you randomly assign them to get medication treatment or therapy alone, and then you compare to see which more successfully reduces depression. So the idea with it is that you are actually manipulating something to make an experiment or changing something to study whether that one variable is attributed to the cause. So anyway, that's a very minor point in the show, and I'm not trying to be picky as a show person, just a good time to kind of talk about the difference between looking at things like an experiment can sometimes tell you about causation, mm -hmm. whereas a survey or a naturalistic study can tell you more about correlation. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's a side thing. So um, so anyway, she says that, and then the mom tries to change it, or Beth tries to change the subject from the from the pickle and is like, that's not why we're here. And Dr. Wong says, no, it represents the heart of the problem. And then you pulled up the quote of kind of how she goes on to further explain that. Yeah, so this, the quote, I pulled up the quote that's kind of at the end when she's talking to Rick. Oh, yes, I that's see. The one that I oh, I'm sorry, okay. I wasn't clear because she, she gives a pretty big monologue at the end kind of talking to Rick and kind mm -hmm. of sums him up, I think, in, in a lot of ways. So I can read that now or we can hold off on it just for a bit. Maybe for just for sequential reasons we that should hold good. off. So I'll, I'll give the basic gist of what she says. Basically, she's not, and it's, consistent with what what I was saying before is that what the the pickle represents is the heart of the problem that Ma, that Beth and Rick have a very specific dynamic it's not one that rewards emotion or vulnerability it punishes those things she thinks that the therapist thinks that it affected their marriage and led to divorce and resulted in a tendency for the kids to misdirect their feelings so this is interesting in a lot of ways because as far, as far as I know, I don't know what prior information Dr. Wong has about the family. I, I thought so I thought the same mm -hmm. exact thing because she has like this incredible conceptualization of the very intricate family dynamics but presumably has never met these people before yeah. and only has maybe a referral information from the school. I so yeah. I I thought the same thing. So unless someone was feeding them that information, or you did some kind of, like, written report where people submit things, it seems odd that she would have her finger that close to the pulse yeah. and that magically without, you know, and to be fair, like, those those initial um, sessions that people usually have in therapy don't make for as interesting of TV because it is often All asking right. a bunch of open-ended questions and gathering information, and here this is kind of fast-forwarding to the interpretation, but maybe we can pick apart some of the things that she says. And since you've seen it more, maybe I can see, I mean, I can observe from having watched it um, once through that, that the mom and Rick do have a very specific dynamic. What do you think about that part about it rewards emotion, it, that it's not one that rewards emotion or vulnerability, but rather it punishes those things. Do you think that's kind of a theme throughout their family dynamics? Uh, specifically for Rick and Beth? I don't know. I mean, in a lot of ways, I think Rick, Beth is like the the person who Rick is nicest to in a lot hmm. of ways. Uh, even like I'm thinking back to like the first episode when she makes pancakes and he's makes some nice comment about mm -hmm. how great those pancakes were and her mom would have been proud and stuff like that. 
So I don't know. I mean, I think that I think that her conclusion is true for Rick overall, but I think specifically towards Beth, I think Rick is the kindest. And even a lot of things that he does, like uh, in the very first episode of season three, it involves Rick escaping from prison, uh, which Summer and Morty are involved with. And whether or not this is true, what he says is that the only reason he saved them was so Beth wouldn't like let him come back home, and was for her sake, which is pretty hurtful of course was it for so he could keep living there or because he didn't because he cared about her feelings i'm trying to remember the specific wording because of course that would uh that would point to the answer to that i think it i think the way that he worded it was so he could come back home was probably it Mm -hmm. but i might be wrong on that um because even if they were lost he would have still been able to go home uh because she wouldn't have known that he was responsible. Right. So I, I can't. I, I've only seen that first episode of season three once, so it's hard for me to remember exactly what the wording is. But it, for some, which of course it would be a very antisocial personality disorder if it was if he could just go home. Uh, but if I can't remember exactly. What okay. It was. Yeah, I'm talking myself into circles here. Okay. And, so, but he does overall. So, like with me, it jumps out, especially with Morty, because you see their dynamic a lot. That he. He does punish emotions and vulnerability. He very much takes like an over-rationalized, over-intellectualized stance and things. And basically kind of makes fun of Morty or just tells him basically to suck it up. Anytime he expresses his distress or anxiety, which is very appropriate in light of the situations that Rick is putting him into. And so I feel like that is true. And it's interesting to think of that, you know, the... Beth's role in like observing the dynamic that Rick and Morty have and being okay with that continuing mm-hmm. despite the fact that it does affect Morty and how he views himself mm-hmm. and the world. And I think Rick hides some of that from Beth a little bit too mm-hmm. because there's like you might remember a couple of times where uh, Rick kind of threatens Morty but in the garage sort of away from the family kind of things. So it makes me wonder kind of I wish we could see exactly from her perspective what she sees. Um, but I think you're exactly right. Definitely with Morty, he's it's it's uh, emotion isn't the isn't the way to go with that dynamic. No, it seems like Rick views himself as superior because he is so intelligent, and that Beth admires him for that, mm-hmm. and they all kind of admire him for that. Yes, but at the same time, it is the other emotions that are involved. He kind of views those as more useless. I guess it reminds me, I guess, a little bit of Doctor House or something like that. Yeah, you know, and they obviously when we get to particular diagnostic criteria they exhibit some similar behavioral manifestations that are overlapping the two of them right it's the kind of the scientist who's or the physician who's also thinking like a scientist who doesn't it really values the puzzle of figuring things out and the adventure and being able to do whatever you want but not so much people's feelings Mm -hmm. in that so so anyway, um, what about the the part about infecting the marriage and leading to divorce? What do you think about that aspect of so, it? So, I don't. Th- I definitely think that's true. I don't think that uh, Beth and Jerry had a very uh, healthy relationship to begin with. There was some dynamics there that were a little unhealthy. Um, but I think that Rick coming into the picture definitely didn't help with that. And Rick, I think, was directly responsible for the divorce when it happened because he sort of manipulated things at the after he escapes from prison from the end of season two and the first episode of season three and directly tells Morty, like, your dad crossed me, so I had to get him out of here. So 
As much as I think that there was a, uh, some unhealthy dynamics between Beth and Jerry, I think Rick was definitely directly responsible for the divorce. Okay, so she's right on. Again, I don't know how Dr. Wong could have figured it out that quickly unless <laughs> very, she secretly interviewed intuitive. Jerry or right. something like that. And then what do, you, what do you think about the last piece, which is that all of this results in a tendency for kids to misdirect their feelings and kind of... Uh, in in these alternative unhealthy ways i think that's probably definitely true for morty yeah Yeah. we see less of it with summer she's become more of a main character now and goes on some of the adventures but not as many as morty does but yeah you definitely see more of that with morty i think yeah and summer i thought you know when in a follow-up episode to this we can maybe talk about it but i thought it was an interesting episode in season three it was i think it was episode five where where summer's boyfriend breaks up with her mm-hmm. and she has some body image issues and so I, I thought that was cool that she had more of a central place in that episode mm-hmm. and and the issues that were discussed around that but anyway returning to this so therapist lays out all this stuff that sounds like it has some validity to mm-hmm. it you know maybe not perfect but pretty good and how does how does beth respond well, uh, I'll just say it. Uh, she tells the therapist, fuck you. Yes. Have yeah. you ever had a client tell you that? I've never had a client tell me that, no. I'm trying to remember if I have. I've Maybe not in those words. <laughs> I've had some clients unhappy with me because of what we're doing in therapy. I have as well. But which I have to say, one of the things that I think definitely is mistaken about therapy is idea. I sometimes see this when people discuss therapy in news articles and they don't they're using it as a metaphor therapy for like hand holding Mm -hmm. or making Mm -hmm. uh, boosting someone's Mm self-esteem well i have to say so credit to this episode for despite all the weirdness this looks has some elements closer to therapy which is there are some difficult things that you face together and address and confront versus like it's a feel-good session like ultimately you hope people feel good but it's through work to improve stuff it's not just like you go in and they say no everything's fine and you feel good and you leave that's not therapy so i credit to this episode for that and then the kids it's interesting they're like mom they're like pretty upset that she says that to the therapist they're kind of like i don't know if they're thinking i don't know if it's an authority thing or if they're thinking like she's on to something and then Beth turns to her two kids and is like, fuck both of you two. <laughs> Beth's a little brutal in that episode. <laughs> it's like, I think, you know, part of that, so not to blame Dr. Wong, but maybe jumping into all that information without doing an assessment and just throwing it out there, like, that is a lot to unload on someone in front of her kids. So I'm not too surprised it evoked a little defensiveness, yeah, I mean, I would probably feel a little defensive, too, if I had my life summed up by this person who didn't, like, had just met me a yeah. few minutes earlier and, like, said all this real personal stuff. And also, as a parent, I'm guessing she kind of, it feels like there's some blame on her. Mm. So, so anyway, I I find the reaction believable. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's a... Uh... It's a strong and compelling case for good, effective rapport building. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Although there is a certain like cut to the chase kind yeah. of element that that I do appreciate, especially since later on, as soon as like the fifty minute mark hits, she's like, "Therapy's <laughs> over now." <laughs> I've forgotten about that. So maybe she's really like, "We're gonna get right to it here." So so Dr. Wong then does an exercise that's worth talking about. I think 
She has them do I statements. And so this is a real method, of course, in therapy with the idea that, especially in family therapy or couples therapy, or really when anytime, even if it's just one person, sometimes therapy can involve like just assigning blame to a bunch of other people. You know, they made me angry. They made me upset. They made my life miserable, whatever it is. And so one way to counter that is to have people use I statements, which I'm guessing a lot of our listeners are familiar with, Mm -hmm. for a couple reasons. One is because if someone's present, first of all, people can only control their own behavior except in extreme Mm -hmm. circumstances and their own thoughts, right? So having someone, instead of saying, you know, mom made me angry, saying, I feel angry when mom does this, it's subtle, but it's a clear shift in that the person is then owning their feelings and saying they're feeling that way in response to the parent. It usually serves to reduce the defenses of mom because it's saying, I am angry when you do this. Mm -hmm. So it's slightly less blaming. It's owning the feelings, but saying what it's connected with. Um, So it can do that. Secondly, it sends the message to the person saying it kind of like I have some influence over how I respond to things. Mm -hmm. I'm not just in a way completely vulnerable to whatever happens. Right. Because like, so for example, the mom saying fuck both of you two to the kids. Right. So like kids could respond in a variety of ways. They could feel hurt, embarrassed, mortified. They could think it's funny. Mm -hmm. It kind of depends on how they interpret it. If they Mm -hmm. interpret it as, well, mom is humiliating our family because she's acting like an idiot in front of this professional, then I might feel embarrassed. However, if I see that and I think, yeah, that's awesome, mom is sticking it to the system and I don't like authority, then I might admire it. So it kind of shows that the person within their own interpretations has some effect on their response. But in this case, I actually think she's really doing it to reduce defensiveness and to have them express themselves. So it's kind of interesting the stuff they say. Like Summer says something like, I am a, like, paint huffer or something like I, I, which isn't funny. I mean, that caused a lot of brain damage. But what's funny is that she says that, and I want to be left alone without mm-hmm. having it linked to other deeper problems or whatever it is. So they kind of go around saying that. And I have to say that felt like a good aspect of feeling therapy. The weird thing is they kind of seem like they're talking in parallel rather than to right. each other like so i don't know maybe her purpose was just try to try to get them to explain how they view themselves in this case and so maybe that was it but anyway that's something that we did a lot of back when i worked in the domestic violence program too with hmm. working on i statements and and trying to own up to the uh, responsibility that you have for your actions and behaviors as well so yeah it rung true for me as well and kind of made me think of that too yeah that makes a lot of sense in those situations mm-hmm. because I, at least in my experience working with people who have anger problems that they do often view like their their physical anger expression as the inevitable outcome of being wronged by mm-hmm. the other person rather than taking responsibility for i mean for their behavior mm-hmm. right so they have a choice if someone did something their partner i don't know cheated on them or something yeah they have the right to be upset right. of course they can feel however they want but they but but rather than owning, and then I chose to react physically or mm-hmm. something like that, which is completely a problem and why these why mm-hmm. the people, you were seeing them for that. Absolutely. They're instead putting, like, 
they had no control over themselves, mm-hmm. but this person did something and they had the inevitable response. And so I statements seem to be really important for anger stuff, but also, as I mentioned, for couples therapy, because a lot of times it can just get into back and forth about what the other person did wrong. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't go anywhere because the therapist isn't really supposed to be a referee or supposed right. to be uh, make like a judicial verdict or something like that. And so it's more about finding ways to communicate that are addressing the problems rather than figuring out who's right and who's wrong. So then I guess, and getting closer to kind of the conclusion, there was a lot in this 22 or 23 yeah, minute episode. Yeah, pretty packed. Yeah, so Rick eventually does make it into the session as Pretty, as the pickle. Yes, a damaged pickle by that. Yeah, point. covered uh, in blood and, and, and other bodily yep, fluids, which is made his way. pretty gnarly. Yep, very gross. He's survived <laughs> so, uh, sewer and uh, multiple firefights with uh, firearms. Well, a lot happened with Rick. Yes, why do you think he decided to go to the session? Oh, that's a great question. I hadn't thought about that. Because uh, it was not easy to get there. <laughs> it wasn't, and and this is what I think because he knew that's where the anti pickle was. I really <laughs> that think that's be. probably why he did it. He was sick I'm of being, being a pickle. Yeah. He didn't get the reaction he was hoping for from his <laughs> family, and at that point, really want to do that. So, um, so th- th- here's another interesting thing that maybe it backtracks a little bit. But her experiment before I got distracted by the point oh, yeah. that she used experiment incorrectly um, was. The point that she's asking about is it seems like, if I'm understanding this correctly, that they were worried he was going to kill himself, right? That it was Mm going to destroy him and that it was Mm -hmm. set on a timer, but it really turns him back into himself, Mm -hmm. right? Is that what was going on? For It was a little hard for me to read. I think I maybe missed that, if that was the implication. I didn't follow that, so... Okay, because it seemed like I thought that Dr. Wong was saying you know, why did you take the serum with you? And and I didn't. I guess I didn't know what anti-pickle serum meant, if it meant sure. that it turned him back into a human or if it meant that it destroyed the pickle. Because okay, Morty recognizes when they're leaving that, like, there's some timer set so the syringe is going to go mm-hmm. into Rick. And mm-hmm. so I didn't really get what that was. And Dr. Wong was like, what's in the syringe? Like, that's, you know... That was what the survey was about or whatever sure. the two was doing. Yeah, I guess there was a little bit more there that I didn't really consider or unpack because that was kind of a main part of it because Dr. Wong kind of confronts them about what what was in there and then Beth won't say it. She tells Dr. Wong to say what it was. So Yeah, kind of so I didn't know You're that. Right. Does, yeah. Is there a history of, of Rick being having suicidal ideation? Uh, there, there actually is. I... I can remember one specific example, and I'm I'm having a hard time remembering which episode that it was. At the end of it, it was one of the post-credit scenes. Um, so you'll have to forgive me for not remembering the specific context of the episode. But at the end of the episode, Rick is really distraught about something. And he's at his workbench, and he has one of his scientific sort of engineered contraptions. And uh, he pops, he has two crystals. He puts one into this presumably laser and he has a small animal then it kind of vaporizes the animal and then rick leans his own head in actually puts in the second crystal and then he passes out because he's so intoxicated and then his head hits the desks and the laser sort of misses him Hmm. so there is a history in addition to just the very self-destructive behaviors of of specifically 
I mean, a, a suicidal attempt is what you could kind of categorize that as. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I didn't I didn't really know how to fully read that even yeah. after watching it a couple times. So, listeners, if you have any thoughts on that, please let us know about yeah. what that whole scene meant. So, so anyway, Rick does get there and he says something very interesting. He's a scientist who does not believe in therapy as though they're mm-hmm. mutually exclusive, right? Yeah, so, Rick. <laughs> he he basically puts this thing forward that I think expresses that myth about therapy that we were just talking Mm -hmm. about, which is he says that if something's wrong or he doesn't like it, he just changes it. He doesn't think that therapy really helps anyone. All it does is kind of calm people's panic. Mm -hmm. And he kind of goes off and he's very intellectualizing it. Like we admire that in animals that they have a panic response, but in Mm -hmm. people we're not supposed to have that. And so that piece is all very interesting. What do you think's underlying that? Like, what do you think is driving his idea about therapy as something that's just hand-holding, basically? Uh, I think just uh, a very much a denial to accept any emotions. He's very much, I think he's very aversive uh, to, to feeling, just in general. Um, so I think that thinking about therapy or even engaging in the process is going to uh, bring up a couple of things for Rick. First, that... I think he is in a lot of pain, and I think that's expressed subtly throughout the episode, or the series, mm-hmm. I mean. Uh, I also think that he bears some responsibility for the negative things that have happened to his family and these people that presumably he loves, even though he treats them horribly. And so having to come to terms with some of the feelings of emotion and some of the responsibility for the negative things that have happened, I think, is something that he's very... Uh, very avoidant of. Okay, so he seems, so some of it seems like, which the therapist is going to talk about a little bit later, that it's it's intellectualizing for yeah. avoidance purposes. But I also wondered if there's some element of it that is reflective of some of his narcissism, that he doesn't think that a therapist can tell him anything he doesn't already know. That yeah. there's, and as Dr. Wong says, like, you're belittling my profession. Mm-hmm. And so it does seem like he is expressing himself as someone who I've got it all figured out. If there's a problem, then I just go do mm-hmm. it. And also I'm not as dumb as the other people who think therapy is really helping them. Right. And it really just calms them down. I'm a little bit better than that, yeah. which so definitely a lot of negative prognostic indicators oh, yeah. for treatment there. Right. And so then um, let's talk about Dr. Wong's response. Yeah, that sounds good. Quote. I'll just go ahead and read it yeah. and then we can uh, pull it apart. That sounds great. Okay, so, and uh, this is this will be my last swear word for the episode. I think. <laughs> so, this is my last warning. Okay. Last money in the swear jar for this episode. <laughs> yeah. All right. Rick, the only connection between your unquestionable intelligence and the sickness destroying your family is that everyone in your family, you included, uses intelligence to justify sickness. You seem to alternate between viewing your own mind as an unstoppable force and as an inescapable curse. And I think it's because you truly, uh, I'm sorry, and I think it's because the only truly unapproachable concept for you is that it's your mind, it's that your mind is in, within your control. You chose to come here, you chose to talk, to belittle my vocation, just as you chose to become a pickle. You're the master of your own universe, and yet you're dripping with rat blood and feces. Your enormous mind literally vegetating by your own hand. I have no doubt that you would be bored senseless by therapy, the same way that I'm bored when I brush my teeth and wipe my ass. Because the thing about repairing, maintaining, and cleaning is it's not an adventure. There's no way to do it so wrong uh, that you might die. It's just work. And the bottom line is, some people are okay going to work, and some people, well, some people would rather die. Each of us gets to choose. 
So what do you think about that response? It's something. I mean, she really... Well, it's it's a, kind of another classic Dr. Wong example of really summing someone up without a lot of uh, knowledge of them. But, yeah, I think she sums it up pretty well. Uh, Rick doesn't want to be bored, and he doesn't want to do the work in, in therapy and relationships, and positive self-change is work. Right, and I, I think she does... You know, so on one hand, I kind of like internally was cheering because I'm like, thank you for talking about that is a lot how therapy is mm-hmm. uh, like brushing your teeth. Now, it's harder than that, but I thought that was mm-hmm. a good example of that. It's not it's not fun all the time or something like that, but it's work and people do it because they want to have good dental hygiene. Mm-hmm. And I think for mental health, of course, it involves the um much more work and and deeper emotional investment and all of that stuff. But I thought that was a pretty good summary of what therapy is like versus some of the other representations that we've seen, which is the therapist just has, you know, some magical insight, although Mm -hmm. she does have the magical insight and that the insight fixes them. And she's not saying she has the insight, but she doesn't expect, okay, now everything's going to change. No, it's still going to require work. So that's good. And it definitely counters the idea that therapists just sit there and tell you what you want to hear so that you feel good and leave or that you just vent. She is putting her finger on the pulse of the dynamics of the family and saying like, this is what's going on with some suggestion that if they acknowledge that, then they can get to work on it. Yeah, she's, again, she's going straight to the point rather than presenting it in a way, like, especially with his personality. I don't know. I could see a couple things. So he seems pretty anti-authority and he's already belittled her. So on one hand, maybe it doesn't matter how she says it, but maybe, you know, I think another approach might be to appeal to his authority, like on himself, Mm -hmm. like, you know yourself best, but this is what I am seeing. But again, I don't know anyway, but she's kind of, in a way, validating what he's saying, which is, you're right, you wouldn't like therapy, but, she says, but that's because you aren't willing to do, mm-hmm. it's it's on you that you wouldn't like it, it's not because my whole profession is right. stupid, it's because you're not interested in it. And so, I thought that was pretty interesting, and then the other thing that I think is fantastic that she pointed out is... And it felt almost like a will, goodwill hunting moment of when Sean is kind of talking to Will about what he sees about him and, and what what how's that working for you for a Dr. Phil kind of statement. Basically, that's great. You're completely in control of yourself. You do whatever you want. You go on these adventures, but you're covered in rat blood and feces. Mm. So, like, how's that working out right. for you, you know, kind of thing. So I thought that was really well done and a lot said in a, in a short amount of time. But Susan Sarandon plays Dr. Wan, I, th- oh, I think, which I thought cool. she was very good as that. So... So anyway, all of that kind of sums up, and ultimately they get back into the car. The kids seem real interested in going back, which is meaningful, but unfortunately Mom and Rick don't seem like that, and they decide to go get drunk instead, which I think is reflective of some of the problems that the therapist is saying. But she, like we said before, she does abruptly end like when the time is up, which I thought was funny that they I, added that in. I thought that was really good, too. She just says all this stuff, and she's like, well, time's up. Hopefully you'll come back, basically, yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> kind so, of them out. And the kids seem pretty hopeful about mm-hmm. it, but unfortunately, without, you know, they don't have that much control about whether they go back or not. Right. You know, it's going to kind of rely on Beth and Rick. So definitely a super interesting episode, and I'm really glad that people suggested it. I think that she, 
that Dr. Wong gets into the specific family dynamics and some of the personality. She doesn't talk a lot about diagnoses, which I think is appropriate in light of the fact oh, that yeah. she doesn't do a lot of thorough evaluations. But I know you and I had, had noticed some symptoms that might fit particular patterns of diagnoses, and it might be worth exploring that in the next episode. That's what I'm thinking, too. I think we're just past the 50-minute mark. Okay. Yeah, we are. We're at 51 yeah. minutes today already. So. so, you know, in sum, just to give the listeners a little bit of a preview, there's clearly some substance dependence, oh, yeah. some alcohol dependence going on. We'll talk a little bit about how Rick fits in with some of the diagnostic criteria or doesn't fit in mm-hmm. with some of the diagnostic criteria for alcohol depends in the next episode and also talk about whether he displays symptoms of particular personality mm-hmm. disorders antisocial personality disorder is a possibility but yep. we don't know for sure we'll go into that as usual we're exploring fictional characters yeah. but we'll look at the symptoms and talk about whether there seems to be a fit there. In addition, there are some other great episodes from this season that we can dig into. So please continue to send us questions. We didn't get to a lot of them, but I think I, I and I didn't, we didn't name people specifically, but um, while I watched it, I had the questions mm-hmm. and suggestions in mind. So I do want to thank people for doing that. A uh, couple specific thank yous to people who have been engaging with us recently. Um, Unless you want to do your pearl of wisdom, I'm going to first. save it. No, I'm okay, going to save, save it, it for till the then. end. Yeah, I don't. Okay, I don't like to do good. multi-part pearls. So. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. So, so I want to thank Lauren. Well, we'll use the first names of some of the people yeah, on Twitter who have sent us suggestions or questions. She's for, suggested Rick and Morty multiple times. Yeah, and yeah. and really talking about specific episodes and what we might look into, which I appreciate. We also have from Twitter. Anthony, uh, Gaming the Mind, check them out at, at Gaming the Mind. Evan mentioned he doesn't like the show and like to figure out why. Maybe we can talk a little bit about that and speculate mm-hmm. next time. Yeah, and that's that'd be fun. okay though, Evan. Oh, absolutely. And um, Diz Dawn also uh, talked a little bit, uh, sent us some questions about morning. So we had a lot of these in mind. The ones we didn't get to directly, we'll return to. And Aside from Rick and Morty, I'm sure we missed some people. So oh, yeah. fortunately, with the multi-episode, we can we can return to them. I also want to thank Clarissa, aside from Rick and Morty, who is someone on Twitter who's just been sending us feedback on specific episodes and and the overall series, and I've really appreciated her input. So thank you, Clarissa, for listening and for your kind words. It means a lot to us. I'll mention a few. Uh, so... Kelly, Melissa, Sarah, Kelsey, and Emily also gave us some suggestions for Rick and Morty, so I jumped back and forth a little bit. And I just want to thank all of you because this is really fun when we get to interact with people and have specific questions that we know you're interested in listening to. And a lot of this episode, maybe more so than any other, was motivated by people saying we we have interest in this and so please feel free to keep suggesting things to us and we will try to get to as much as possible i would say that hands down this is the most recommended show that we have yeah i I think that's true i think that people love the show and Mm -hmm. are really excited about some of the psychological elements of it so thank you all very much absolutely keep that stuff coming it's i mean i mean we do a lot of this for ourselves just because we like (laughs) to talk about stuff but uh, also talking with the fans and the listeners. 
I don't want to say that we have fans. That seems a little... <laughs> Talking to the people who are kind enough to listen to us is uh, is part of it, too. So that sounds good. I'm going to save the Pearl of Wisdom. I'm going to just conclude by saying thank you for listening and send us some more Rick and Morty questions. If there's specific questions, characters, episodes, something like that, just send it to us and we'll talk about it. Uh, and uh, you'll hear from us next week. Thank you.